Between the years of 1978 and 1996, the place to spend hot Jersey summers was at a place known as Action Park. It was high adrenaline, high stakes, and with low security, and almost zero safety features, it was a park that allowed the rider to be in control of their own experience. And though mixing high stakes rides with loads of alcohol and then hiring a bunch of teenage employees may sound like a good idea, well, on the other hand, maybe not. But it does sound like the blueprint for one of America's worst water parks. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. Action Park was founded by former Wall Street dealer Eugene Mulvihill, after being caught up in an insane pump-and-dump scheme. You guys don't know what a pump-and-dump is. What do you, got your head under a rock? Everybody's uh, talking out against those these days. But Action Park was intended to be the theme park that all adults dream about. One that puts the visitor in control. He wanted it to outdo Orlando's Disneyland, which had just opened the first modern water park in the country. In 1977, just a year before Action Park opened its first attraction, the founder of SeaWorld announced a new park. And Wet n' Wild was born in Orlando, making it the place to be on the East Coast. But Mulvihill's dream was to make it bigger and better. Make New Jersey the new East Coast destination for tourists. It was a great opportunity with huge potential. Hugh Hefner had also built a casino and resort in Vernon also. So the small sleepy town was slowly getting woken up. So when considering Action Park and its history, you have to keep in mind for one... This was the lawless 70s, and the water park business was a very new field with little to no structure, rules, or regulations. There were no past parks to look at and learn mistakes from, but Mulvihill seemed to take that as a way to pave the road for future parks, be an example, set the standards. Well, apparently he didn't have very high standards. When Mulvihill first purchased the 67 plus acres that Action Park was to be built on, it was known as Vernon Valley or Great Gorge Ski Resort in Sussex County, New Jersey. He noticed immediately that the resort's revenue fell drastically in the summer. Yeah, no shit. Although the beautiful resort still offered plenty of summer activities like fishing, hiking, and kayaking, its warmer months didn't attract a lot of visitors, even though he had brought in the world's largest snowmaking machine to extend the ski season. Profits still fell in the summer. Of course, I mean, that snow's not going to stick around, right? You might extend the ski season a little bit, but summer, you're, you're done for. So through the next coming years, water attractions were built to entice guests. Action Park was divided into three sections. The first section built was the Alpine Center. And so the first renovation was done and the infamous Alpine Slide was born. A skate park and a bungee jumping tower also was briefly open in the Alpine Center, but were forced to close due to poor design which was a seemingly reoccurring theme for Action Park, as you'll find out. For the slide, visitors would take the resort ski lift to the top of the mountain, where they would slip into wheeled sledding devices that rarely function properly, and they would use this joystick-like design to pull back on the brake and push forward to accelerate, as if you needed to accelerate any more. The Alpine Slide Rider would then proceed to sled down a 2,700-foot-long track made of a mixture of cement, fiberglass, and asbestos. Mmm, good stuff. Winding down the side of a mountain. And remember this, it's a water park, so most riders were in bathing suits. 
One park goer described it as, quote, essentially a giant track to rip people's skin off that was disguised <laughs> rather, as a kid's ride, end quote. Eventually, the park installed a giant sign at the top of the slide that was covered in pictures of other riders, mostly children, who had ridden the slide and survived. But they were all covered in blood, with skin missing and teeth knocked out. The picture, picture board boasted a warning of keeping hands and feet inside the riding device and to brake when they see the signs of risk or injury. Although most of the brakes didn't work. But none of that was enough to keep many of the 20,000 daily guests that Action Park saw from bravely launching those sleds and careening down the side of a mountain. As the years wore on, very little of the park was ever kept up or inspected for safety. In fact, safety deemed to be an abstract concept for Mr. Mulvihill. He suggested that anyone who attends Action Park was assuming the risk of injury and that he was not responsible as owner, designer, or operator for any injuries that occurred at the park. Over the years, as personal liability lawsuits began to flood in, Mulvihill would refuse to settle which, with families and took every case to court in hopes that the other party would drop the lawsuit, which was the case many times as families were unable to keep up with the legal cost. His stance on an accidental death case was that the slide was not responsible for the boy's death, but that he had fallen off of it, which was an accident, and that a rock nearby caused his injuries, so the park was not liable. Now, before we get into how that boy died, and the many that followed after him, let's first take a quick look at our nation's water parks and how they operate. First of all, there are zero federal regulations on water parks probably because the federal government can see how much of a liability these things are and that they're just not worth the risk. Since the first water slide in the world was only opened in 1902 in New Zealand, I know that sounds like a long time ago, but it really wasn't. Uh, water parks were still new territory in the 70s, as far as regulations and safety goes, especially. Parks are regulated at the state level, but how much they are regulated and how well all vary from state to state. And there are six states that still have no agencies to mandate safety regulations whatsoever. And as far as enforcement, a lot of states can only accommodate whatever their budget allows. Residents of the town know a level of corruption exists as many state officials were privy to having the resort's amenities at their disposal, of course. Putting at the state level, yeah, it just leaves so much up in the air. Now, OSHA did intervene sometimes. They did come to the park on occasion, but their duties were to make sure the park employees were safe. Guest safety wasn't their concern. That wasn't part of their job. Little good they did, even as many of the employees were not only underage, but were also completely unqualified as well, and most likely intoxicated and untrained. The reckless and unqualified employees were known to often not even be at their lifeguard posts, but were instead off doing drugs or having sex. It was like Jackass meets Disney World, and although clearly dangerous, it still drew millions of people every year. But as I alluded to earlier, not all of the guests made it out alive. The park would see its first fatality in 1980, just two years after opening the gates on the Alpine Slide when 19-year-old George Larson Jr.'s sled malfunctioned, and he took a turn too fast, sending him soaring over the side of the slide and onto the side of the mountain, where his head struck a large rock. Larson was taken to the nearby hospital, where he remained in a coma for a few days before being disconnected from life support after failing to show any remaining brain function. Larson's death would unfortunately only be the first for the park in the coming years, 
And although the park sees hundreds of injuries daily, it remains New Jersey's biggest attraction for years after. The park was able to continue functioning, even with the outlandish number of injuries that were reported every year because it was the state's largest tax revenue, raking in thousands of tax dollars yearly. Alpine Slide was the cause of most of the more serious injuries, broken and fractured bones, road rash. Oh, and the park was also known to underreport its injuries. Imagine that. But moving on, it's hard to underreport deaths. The next fatality of the park would come two years later, in 1982, and would occur in the section of Action Park known as Waterworld. It was the section of the park consisting of most of the water-based attractions, as you could imagine, and it was also responsible for the most deaths. The first of which was in the park's notorious tidal wave pool, where 12 lifeguards on duty were known to have to rescue up to 30 people a day. 12 lifeguards on duty, and they had to rescue 30 people a day. The pool was full of fresh water, okay? Now, this was an issue because it wasn't salt water like oceans, meaning swimmers were a lot less buoyant because the water wasn't as dense. There was no salt, so you would tire out a lot quicker. So if you're used to the common waves of the ocean and floating and bobbing in the ocean, this is going to be a lot more stress on your body. And because of that, the first life was claimed by the pool. He was a 15-year-old boy who was not spotted by a lifeguard until it was too late. This led to the park draining the pool and painting the bottom of the pool white so people were easier to see. <laughs> and also, a new policy that emptied the pool of swimmers ev ever so often uh, just to give the lifeguards a chance to scan the bottom of the pool for anyone that they might have missed. Now, although they made those very impactful and very strict, I'm using quotes, uh, policies, two more deaths occurred in the pool. Just two years later, Donald DePass, a 20-year-old man visiting from New York, drowned. And yet again, in 1987, a third man would fall victim to the pool, 18-year-old Gregory Granchams. He drowned when he couldn't overcome the waves. I'm sorry, but how many people have to die of the same thing before they fix the problem? According to Action Park, it's at least three. The pool was shut down, eventually, during Mulville's time, uh, but has been reopened today, but under new management. And for now, since the wave pool's out of commission, guests will have to get their thrills somewhere else, like maybe the kayaking experience. But for one guest, it didn't go so well. The kayaking experience was a ride meant to stimulate kayaking down whitewater rapids by using numerous underwater fans to push the water forward. They were, But the kayaks were known to get stuck or flip, uh, again, due to a poorly designed course. And that was responsible for another death the same year. A 27-year-old man's kayak flipped in the raging rapids, and when he got out to flip it back, he came into contact with exposed wiring from one of those fans that pushed the water. And it sent him into cardiac arrest. After the man's death, the kayaking experience was shut down for investigation and was never opened back up again. The only other death attributed to the park was in 1984 when a man visited a spot called the Tarzan Swing. It was a very simple attraction, just a giant rope swing over cool mountain waters below, and it looked like a blast. To be honest, when I saw this in the documentary, Class Action Park, which I've noted in the sources, um, this swing looked like a child's dream. This is, what this is what you imagined. You imagine this when you go to camp, you imagine this when you go to a lake, it's like, there's gotta be somewhere where I can swing like Tarzan. 
And this attraction was like that, except you swung from, you know, not just the bank of the river or the lake, but from a higher pier almost. And there was a huge line coming up to that. And where you would swing, you had all this line of people up on top of the pier and then down and around, all watching every single person swing into this water. Okay. And I heard that this was just a brutal, a brutal ride, a brutal place to be because the people had nothing better to do than just stand there and watch these people flip and flail into these freezing water. Because many people were unaware that the pool at the Tarzan Swing was fed from the mountain's freshwater spring and therefore had an average temperature of around 50 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Even on a hot day, that will fuck you up. That's a good 30 degrees cooler than other parts of the park. So these people would swing in like this gentleman did and the shock of the pool actually gave him a heart attack and he died at 27 years old swinging into a pool, had a heart attack. That's insane. And all the while, I can only imagine from watching the documentary, apparently uh, there was a lot of berating and things going on if you had any issues in the water or getting out of the water or whatever. The, uh, the crowd who was waiting in line was not afraid to berate you and let you know what, what a, quote, pussy or, quote, wimp that you were. Uh, because you could not deal with the freezing temps. This was brutal, right? They this they said this is all from the documentary, okay? This is people that were there. They they said it was Jersey in the 70s and it was a ruthless place. Just a ruthless place. So keep that in mind too. So the the pressure, the anxiety, I'm sure of going and swinging off of this thing in the first place and then getting hit with the cold water and then you're in front of everyone. You have to clear the area so the next person can swing, right? So everyone's watching you swim out. Maybe you land. Maybe if you're, maybe your top comes off. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? Uh, maybe your trunks come off. Who knows? I mean, it was, was an embarrassing yet exciting ride, okay? <laughs> this simple Tarzan swing uh, was the cause of a lot of controversy, seriously. So, but there is one thing that even tops the Tarzan swing, okay? It's the main thing that you see when you come into this park. If you see any pictures of Action Park, you're guaranteed to see this, and it is the Cannonball Loop. It was the only other attraction that was fed with the same frigid spring waters uh, as the Tarzan swing. And like I said, it was called the Cannonball Loop, which is basically a cartoon-designed water slide that was somehow allowed to open Though it was very short-lived, thankfully. Uh, Cannonball Loop was a very simple design. A giant slide down, in, down into an actual loop. And then finally you were shot out into a shallow pool of water. Which again was freezing. Uh, the loop's operations were sporadic. As it was constantly having to be redesigned. And only lasted a month before being shut down by a state advisory board. Now a funny story about this loop. This loop came up when Mulvahill drew it on a napkin, okay? He's not an engineer at all. He's, he's not even a builder of any type. He's not someone that should be designing slides, if you don't get this. And he drew this cannonball loop on a napkin and was like, wouldn't this be cool? Yeah, in theory. If you got enough freaking G's to actually stick to the damn slide and go all the way around, which, as you can imagine, that's not what happens. 
when you go around the slide and you get to the very top peak, your body just falls down and smashes against the other side and then falls down the other side of the loop and bangs against the sides in whatever way that slide decides to, to treat you because it's pitch black in there. The slide is either black or dark blue or purple. I can't really tell from the photos, different photos, different lighting. Um, but it's, it's anyways, it's a very dark slide. So when you're standing at the top of it looking down, you can't see shit in there. Nothing. So when you're going down it, you have no idea what's happening. You're getting slapped up against the walls. You're getting beat to death. When you go up in that slide, all of a sudden your feet are up over your head. And then, I don't know, then you're back right again. It's, you can only imagine. They actually put padding inside the loop at the top. So when people would, when their bodies would lose velocity and obviously gravity would pull them down at the top of the loop and they would hit against that pad. The problem is they were still hitting against that pad so hard that it was knocking people's teeth out. Knocking people's teeth out. The people that tested it. Mulvihill was giving teenagers, 14, 15, 16-year-old kids, $100 to test the slide. Okay, after they had just tested it with crash dummies and they all came out dismantled. <laughs> if you can imagine that. And then kids actually got in it for $100. Of course, $100 in the 70s is pretty damn good money, right? Probably It's probably more than you made all week. So pretty insane. Uh, but yeah, so people's teeth were coming out at the top. Where was I getting to? Oh yeah, and then the people that came in after them... When they went around the slide, they would get cut on those people's teeth. This was just people testing it. And then they still opened it. They just like they had a hatch at the top of the loop where they could get people out if they got stuck at the top of the loop, right? So in the latch, they were able to actually remove the human teeth from the pad and then add more padding. And then they opened it to the public. They were like, yeah, that's good. I think that's enough test runs. I think we're good now. <laughs> I don't think anybody's gonna gonna lose too many teeth in here, but yeah, as you can imagine, the ride was determined to be too dangerous, uh, but was allowed to open for a few days during the years of '95 and '96. But again, only operated for a few days before it was shut down due to injuries once again. So I guess it was just sitting there for years, and then like the mid '90s, they're like, "You think this thing will work now? I mean, it's been a while. Maybe it'll work now." <laughs> I don't get that theology at all. But moving on, there's a whole other section of the park, my personal favorite, probably the area of the park that I would spend my most time, and that is Motor World. It's the only section of the park that didn't see any fatalities. Although, that was not for lack of trying, okay? It was located on the other side of, of a major highway, and it was accessed by bridges. Now, here is where many of the park's bars and the resort's brewery sat. That's right. There was a bar, there was multiple bars and a brewery on Action Park campus. Yeah, perfect, right? Right next to a super go-karts track. That's right. So in the evening, the mood of Action Park shifted from drunken fun in water to drunken fun behind the wheel. The go-karts would race around a loop in speeds of about 20 miles per hour. But over the years, many visitors recall the governors that restricted how fast the carts could go were often removed by employees, allowing the carts to reach speeds closer to 50 and 60 miles per hour. There were also the Lola cars, which were made to mimic uh, like Grand Prix cars. They were miniature, 
and had open cockpits, and many of the now-drunken visitors would often ignore the track boundaries and instead decide to drive wherever they choose. I recall one story of a man who actually left the park and drove his go-kart down the Highway 94 that ran through the park. Insane. Motorworld also had speedboat racing and bumper boats and things they referred to as action tanks which were goddamn awesome. They were miniature replicas of military tanks that shot tennis balls at the opponent. The tanks had targets, and if you hit one, it would send the tank spinning in circles. It was basically like a laser tag with tiny tanks. However, often guests would abuse this ride as well and shoot the balls at other guests and workers. One employee even recalled a time where a guest set his tennis balls on fire using gas that was used for the tanks and was shooting them at other drivers. The man was ejected from the park and no serious injuries were reported. But why would it be? <laughs> right? Action Park was famous for underreporting their injuries. He failed to even report George Larson Jr.'s death. If you remember, he was the young man who fell off the Alpine slide in a crazy turn and hit his head on a rock. And when Mulville was confronted about Larson's death, he said he didn't tell the court because Larson was an employee. The funny thing is, Larson hadn't had worked at the ski resort, right, the summer before his death, and only for a few days. He hadn't been an employee of Action Park for over a year. At one point, the town of Vernon told Mulvihill that he had to purchase an ambulance for the park, and he did. The town only had two trucks, and they were constantly being tied up with business at the park and were unavailable to the community. Eventually, Action Park was being buried under so many personal injury lawsuits that no one wanted to insure it. So Mulva Hill had a plan for that too. He made up a fake insurance company and used the establishment to embezzle money. He was eventually arrested and pleaded guilty to multiple counts of fraud, theft, and embezzlement, resulting him in temporarily having to surrender control of the park. With all of Mulva Hill's criminal activities being brought to light and numerous lawsuits piling up, the park inevitably shut down for good in the summer of 1996, and the company was declared bankrupt, leading to its sale in 1998. It was bought by owners of a competing water park and revamped as Mountain Creek Park, with many of the dangerous rides torn down. And then in 2010, Mulva Hill was able to buy the park back. He died two years later, in 2012. The family shortly revived Action Park, but the nostalgia was short-lived and underwhelmingly embraced and attended. The company again was sold and has been operating since 2016 as Mountain Creek Water Park and is now home to the notorious Zero-G Water Slide. The resort's website describes the Zero-G experience as follows. Quote, You're accelerating down the world's tallest double-looping thrill slide. It's the closest you'll get to feeling zero gravity at Mountain Creek. Zero-G is a must-ride. The park also boasts of its highly trained staff and stern safety sanders. It has torn down and improved many of the old attractions, and it doesn't seem to give off that same at-your-own-risk appeal as the old action park. So people feel a little safer now, I guess, at Mountain Creek. They've learned some lessons. Right, but honestly, I have never been a fan of water parks. This documentary, watch, watch Class Action Park, and it just confirms... All the creepy feelings I had at water parks and theme parks. Now, I'm someone who does not like theme parks. I hate them. I hate roller coasters. I hate the whole atmosphere. Um, 
I hate the designs. I hate the 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 rickety shit, especially at like fairs, things that are set up in a day. If you set this ride up in a day, I just why the fuck would I trust it? I know these people don't have any degrees, no type of engineering degrees or mechanics degrees or anything. They're just out here running these rides and setting them up on a daily basis. The rides are getting beat to shit. I, I just don't like theme parks, okay? But Action Park was on a whole other level. Um, insane. I don't know if I, I don't, <laughs> I know for a fact I wouldn't, I don't think I would have went to Action Park. I think I would have liked to. I'd definitely like to go to Motor World. I'd probably spend most of my time in Motor World, to be honest. Um, those carts that go 50, 60 miles an hour, that sounds like a blast. The tanks that shoot tennis balls, I'm not going to lie, that sounds like fun. Uh, the the bumper boats, all that stuff, because you know that shit was extreme. You know those boats really scooted around. Probably a good way to get some whiplash. You know what I'm saying? there's there's There was ways to have fun at the park. Um, it was a different time. It was the Wild West of water parks. And uh, I, I love this case, honestly. If you guys get a chance, if you have uh, HBO Max, or if you can get like a, a free trial, or you know, get some kind of uh, some kind of Fire Stick or something, get that shit. But HBO Max uh, has the Class Action Park documentary. It's an hour and a half. Uh, it's definitely worth your watch. It's so it's so insane, guys. They not only have interviews with people who attended the park, but they have people who actually worked at the park in the documentary and also people who worked on and designed these rides. And they themselves were like, yeah, we have no experience whatsoever. I, I don't know how we got away with that. I don't know how we didn't kill more people. Um, and it's just crazy to hear from these people. One of the stories I remember from uh, one of the guys that actually worked there, he was a teenager at the time, and he actually tested the cannonball loop. Uh, I think he lost a tooth or two, um, and he said, he said also he had some pretty bad like and he thinks he had like some internal bruising, some rib bruising and whatnot. Um, but he talked about how at the top of the Alpine Slide, back at the, where you would get on the Alpine Slide, there was a cabin up there that sat off of away from the the ride a little bit, and it was like a cabin for the employees to like put their personal items. They had like lockers in there. They had like a little couch in there. It was like a little break room. It was just everything. But what it ended up being, because these workers, these teenagers had zero supervision. Okay. There was no supervisors. The people that owned the park, Mulva Hill, he was out around the park, you know, meeting and greeting and whatnot, but he was not enforcing anything. He didn't hold these people to any standards. So a lot of them weren't even at their post and they would be in this shack, either having sex or uh, doing drugs, or drinking, or just sleeping their shift away. There are some that been known just to sleep their shift away, you know, and get paid for it. So this is the type of operation that you're that you're talking about here. It's absolutely insane. So if I have any listeners uh, that went to Action Park, I would love to talk to you. I would. Um, maybe we could set up like a short extra bonus content. You can share some stories about when you went to Action Park. I would love to hear them. And uh, maybe we can release that on Patreon or something like that. Um, but yeah, so that's my opinion on Action Park. I enjoyed this very much because I hate theme parks. And anytime I can shit on some theme parks, I'm down. <laughs> I know, a bunch of you are probably like, come on, Michael, theme parks are great. We love Disney World. Yeah, yeah, Disney World, that's great. Um, but anyways, that's, that's my opinion. That's my two cents, guys. I'll, I'll quit rambling to you about Action Park for now. For now. Let's see what Lauren has to say, though, okay? 
then I'll meet back up with you. I'm, I'm curious to see what, what little tidbits Lauren dug out. I'm sure he found some, uh, some juicy deets. All right, so let's check in with Lauren in this week's Lauren Synopsis. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Horn here. Here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. Action Park, the amusement and water park in Vernon Township, New Jersey, uh, that operated from 78 to 96 before being shut down and reopened later in a much safer fashion, um, and then closing again. Uh, but this place just maimed countless people, uh, killed a handful of people, and looked like the most amazingly fun thing to do if you're on summer vacation and you're a teenager, or if you're in a, you know a young adult, uh, to just go there get injured, uh, but have the time of your life doing so. And hopefully you're not one of the, like I said, handful of people over the course of 18 years that, that died very, I mean, if you think about it, like most, uh, theme parks and, uh, that last long enough, you're going to have a, a tragedy here and there. Um, I'm not trying to excuse action park, but they, they, if they would have just done a few things, uh, in a, in a smarter fashion, like take out a few of their attractions, like that, that cannonball loop slide, which is just a bad idea. The uh, the luge thing looked amazing, but they they needed to have more like padding along the edges. The fact that you just have like this little concrete track going down, and then just like rocks and stuff on the edge. I guess one of the people that died was a, a 19 year old that was going down on the luge and um, got launched off the track and hit his head on a rock. Like have padding all around the edges of that thing. Um, have legit lifeguards, not a bunch of just kids there that don't give a damn. Um, maybe chill out on all the alcohol vendors like and around every corner and make sure that everyone that drinks is actually 21 um and not like you know underage people aren't able to get alcohol uh just just a you know a handful of things if they were done better this place would have been a lot safer but it looked just incredible man i'm just sad that you know it's not around anymore so i can't make a trip up to jersey and go to it because it just it looked like the best it really did uh i spent a lot of time at the original wet and wild in las vegas on las vegas boulevard back in the 90s and it seemed as though after watching a lot of videos of action park it seemed like half the damn stuff they had at wet and wild they they stole from action park or they themed after action park we had a lot of uh similar slides like the uh there was one called bonsai bonsai which was basically just a big steep slide that you went down on a plastic raft and you skimmed across the water it was just like uh one of the things they had at action park um they had uh, Bombay and uh, Darastuka, which they had uh, two slides that looked very similar like that at Action Park. Um, but they, man, they had the wave pool actually at the original Wet n Wild, which I almost died in that thing. That was sketchy. That was just so many people crammed into a bunch of waves, and I'm like eight years old, ten years old, just water going in my mouth, just people like bumping into me, and yeah, it was. But once again, they had lifeguards on duty watching and and uh they had m much more safety precautions that's all they had to do the, the action park was making a killing they had so many visitors coming into that park that if they would have just not been cheap and you know put in some more provisions it would have probably maybe it'd still be around today and it'd be just like a world-renowned 
you know, place that everybody would want to go to that had been around forever. But uh, that's not the way it went. But man, I, I wish I could have been there to experience this place. I don't know if that's what you were hoping for from me, Michael, is me to just get on here and rave about how amazing and awesome this place looked. But I mean, come on, dad. They had some of the coolest crap imaginable if you're a teenager there. They, you're driving around in tanks, shooting tennis balls at each other, shooting tennis balls at the staff, going down uh, concrete slides that are like a mile long and freaking luges with brakes on it that may or may not work. And I mean, this is just like a, a young man's dream right here. Uh, and uh, looked looked like it just looked amazing. So, yeah, that's my thoughts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next week. All right, Lauren, thank you so much, man. And as far as what you want to do in your synopsis, you know it's your synopsis, bro. It ain't Michael's synopsis. You do what you want, right? You want to talk about how amazing this crazy-ass action park is, how you'd love to die there when you were a teenager. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I knew, I knew this would be the case. I knew this is something uh, that Lauren would be interested in, that he would love. And I'm not saying I wouldn't as a teenager. Um, but now, as an adult, nah, not a chance. Uh, but as a teenager, yeah, yeah, that probably would have been uh, would have been a dream of mine for sure. Now, see, in the Carolinas, we have a theme park called Carowinds, and they do have a water park area, a, a very large water park area that very little people know about because Carowinds is they're known for their roller coasters because they had, well, it was owned from owned by Paramount for a while, so all their roller coasters were named after like big movies like Top Gun and uh, The Borg was after like Alien versus Predator type deal and then they had like scooby-doo coaster for kids um all these different coasters but um but now they're owned by somebody else but they're still called carowinds and they still have the water park and they had all that stuff they had a wave pool i remember being in the wave pool you do there is this helpless feeling of being in a wave pool even if you can swim it just depends on how many people are out there um I just, I didn't spend a lot of time in the wave pool. I kind of got out there and I was like, okay, we can't have a boogie board. Like we can't have anything to like pretend like we're surfing on or nothing. So I was like, eh, I'm out of here. Uh, <laughs> but I did spend a lot of time on the water slides. And um, I do remember the dark ones, the ones where you can't see there. They had like this dark purple slide uh, at Carowinds and it wasn't, it wasn't nothing crazy like the cannonball loop, uh, but you just went down in a spiral that was insanely fast. And this thing was, you know, seven, eight stories up in the air. Actually, climbing the stairs to the water slide is probably the most uh, anxious part for me. I hate being on the stairs with all those people and then, like, it's a tight it's a tight line, you know what I'm saying, typically, so you can't really just go and leave. So once you get up there, say you're on, like, level four to five and you still got three or four levels to go, you got, you're up three or four stories, you feel like you're kind of trapped, Um but to be completely honest, I haven't been to a water park in years, probably since I was a teenager. I was probably 16, 17 the last time I went to a water park. So that's been a, that's been a good bit ago. It's been a good bit ago. It's probably been at least 10, 15 years. But yeah, anyways, that's Class Action Park. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I want to give a big thanks to Christina for the suggestion. Uh, she messaged us on Patreon and said, I may be wasting a question this was actually uh for just the banter on patreon or true crime guys she says i may be wasting a question but would you guys consider action park i mean there is crime involved and it's true i watched the documentary class action park several times because it's just a wild story and it really is so christina thank you so much uh for giving me a lighter topic i'd like to mix these in a little bit more so i can you know relax give everyone a kind of a, a palate cleanser away from crime but you're still in that 
he's still in that crime window a little bit. You know, some people died. Some people got arrested for fraud. Um, people got sued. See, there's crime going on. There's crime going on. It doesn't have to be all slash and gash. You know what I'm saying? It had to be all slash and gash. All right, guys. Well, let me get to some housekeeping. Let me get to some shout outs and uh, we'll get out of here for this week. Guys, if you love the show, if you like the content, if you want more of this content, if you want to hear more of my sultry voice, you can hear it on patreon.com slash podcast. okay? For just three bucks a month, you can jump on and get access on the $3 tier to a show I do on Mondays called Strange Shorts. I just released, this past week, I just released episode 39 of Strange Shorts. So there's 39 Strange Shorts episodes waiting for you on Patreon right now. And in addition to that, I have done uh, somewhere between four to six episodes of the Palate Cleanser podcast, which I've discontinued. Uh, But that is on there as well. Then, um, also, a show that I have started that is new. I just released episode one on Saturday. It's not new, per se, to True Crime Guys Productions, but it is new to the Sandu Patreon. And that's Higher Thoughts. Season 2, episode 1 dropped this past Saturday. And there will be new episodes on Saturdays of Higher Thoughts, okay? I got some collaborations going on with that. Going to have some new music. Um, Going to have some new musicians. Uh, some new voices on Higher Thoughts. My wife will be on there occasionally. Um, my friend Imori, who helped me create some of the sound beds for the latest Sandu stories. He also did a voice of Clarence in that episode. So Imori will be helping me as well on Higher Thoughts. And um, I'm super excited about this, guys. The direction and the content that we're putting out on Patreon, that is where the meat and potatoes is, and that is where we are putting all of our work, all of our creativity. Um, not to say I'm cutting short on these on these free episodes, okay? Strange and Unexplained is my baby, and I will always do my best. There's some real treats waiting for you on Patreon. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so I want to give a shout out to some, uh, some new patrons over the last week. Uh, hopefully, I'm not uh, repeating anybody, but Steph D., Thank you for jumping on the $10 tier. On the $10 tier, we also get to be Snapchat friends. And we're going to have Zoom meetings. Maybe maybe once a month or so. Okay? Also, we got Chad. Chad jumping on. Chad, I know, bro, I appreciate you so much on social media for all everything that you do. Um, all the content that you share, the way that you promote this show on your story and whatnot, we appreciate that very, very much, and it does not go unnoticed. Chad is also a patron of True Crime Guys as well, so Chad is getting all the TCG Productions. Uh, shit, we release something almost every day on TCG Productions. If you're a, if you're a five dollar patron of True Crime Guys and Sandu, actually, if you're a yeah, if you're a five dollar patron of True Crime Guys and Sandu, you're gonna get somewhere between. Five, what, six shows a month from True Crime Guys. I mean, a week. Six shows a week. That's kind of insane. You got the original episode of True Crime Guys, right? Um, you also get access to the Patreon exclusive, but that's that's once a month. You get access to Just the Banter on a weekly basis. You get the Gold Creep Van sticker, of course, on True Crime Guys. And then the $5 tier on Sandu, you get access to Strange Shorts, Every Monday, Higher Thoughts every Saturday, and then also Sandu Stories, which is a once a month show as well. So you get access to quite a bit there, and also the Strange and Unexplained sticker uh, for Patreon as well. So quite a bit under the $5 tiers on uh, True Crime Guys and 
strange and unexplained. That's patreon.com slash S and U podcast or patreon.com slash true crime guys. Either one, guys, we appreciate your support so much. There is different content on both Patreons, but you guys will figure it out. So also, if you guys can't join Patreon, no big deal. Guys, I appreciate everyone who goes and leaves a review, subscribes, downloads, uh, whatever you want to call it. Tell a friend, share it on your social media. Uh, if you share a story about True Crime Guys or Sandu Podcast on your story, we will retweet it on Patreon. I mean, I'm on, on Instagram, uh, on True Crime Guys, where you know we have 6,000 plus followers, I guess now, something like that. But we always try to retweet those types of things. We like to help out our listeners as well. So when you guys promote our stuff, we'll promote you. And that's how we work together. That's how we market, right? Little people helping little people. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. But all right, guys, uh, check out our merch. Everything is linked below. Everything to True Crime Guys, the link tree is down below, including sources. If you guys want to check out Class Action Park, definitely check that out on HBO Max. Uh, like I said, it's it's definitely worth it. It's an hour and a half. Also, the new Space Jam movie is on HBO Max, which I watched the other night with the kids. It was pretty cool. Um, if you grew up and you liked the first Space Jam, this one is definitely it's definitely a step up. It's a little more drawn out than I thought. It's an hour and fifty five minutes. Yeah, so they do a lot. Uh, they uh, you know they're they go and they build the crew and all this. It, it's a lot. It's a lot more than what I thought. It's not so much of the game like the first one is. I feel like the first Space Jam, you're like, damn, they're already playing the game. Okay, shit. Uh, but in the other one, in the new one, it's not quite like that. It's it's a slower buildup, but it's pretty cool. There's a lot of cameos in that. Uh, there's guaranteed something that everyone's going to like. Uh, there was even a Rick and Morty appearance in the new Space Jam, which I thought was freaking dope. Um, so, you know, it's owned by Warner Brothers, so anything Warner Brothers owns, which is pretty much everything now, uh, is in is in that movie in one shape or form or another. A lot of Harry Potter references, uh, a lot of Matrix references, stuff like that. So, pretty cool movie. A little off topic, but, you know, if you guys are still here, you're still listening, check that out. It's pretty cool. All right, guys, that's it. I'll check back in with you guys next week for a new Strange and Unexplained case. Uh, this is going to be one of those lesser-known cases. Uh, that is absolutely a tragedy. Um, another case labeled as a suicide where you're going to be like, huh? But yeah, so tune in next week for that, guys. And uh, remember, be strange. Just don't be strange.